Old powers waken, shadows stir, an age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us, an age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Knights Podcast. Hello, my sweet summer children. I'm back with another episode of the Obsidian Knights podcast. And today we are covering Jon Snow's last chapter of A Game of Thrones, John 9. And I am joined by Maid Marjorie in the Discord, aka Patty. How you doing, Patty? Hey, thank you for having me on. Yes, I'm so excited to cover this chapter because I've been covering, I've been like marathoning these. Um, and I just like, I'm kind of working backwards. So I did the last Danny chapter and I did the last, um, cat chapter and now doing this chapter, which is the Mm -hmm. last John chapter. I feel like those other two chapters had like some, a lot of foreshadowing of where the story's going. So Mm -hmm. I feel like this is the same kind of chapter. This John. Oh Yeah. Absolutely. It's a really, it's a really heavy chapter. Um, and at least with going up north, it does a lot of setup for that, uh, for the next yes. book. Yes, yes. Um, so the chapter starts off and it says, the mare wickered softly as Jon Snow tightened the cinch. Easy, sweet lady, he said in a soft voice, quieting her with a touch. Wind whispered through the stable, a cold dead breath on his face, but Jon paid it no mind. He strapped his roll to the saddle, his scarred fingers stiff and clumsy. Ghost, he called softly, to me, and the wolf was there, eyes like embers. John, please, you must not do this. He mounted the reins in his hand and wheeled the horse around to face the night. Samuel Tarley stood in the stable door, a full moon peering over his shoulder. He threw a giant shadow, immense and black. Get out of the way, Sam. John, you can't, Sam said. I won't let you. I would sooner not hurt you, John told him. Move aside, Sam, or I'll ride you down. So the first thing I want to talk about is Sam and his giant's shadow. Mm-hmm. So Poor Sam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting because we have Tyrion, who's mm-hmm. like this dwarf, and there's a lot of imagery in the wording that, you know, compares him to a giant. Like John says mm-hmm. when Tyrion goes to walk back into the feast hall in Winterfell, when Robert and all of them are in Winterfell for the king's feast, t- when Tyrion opens the door, his shadow goes all across the yard like a giant. Right. And then, and then um, you know, Tyrion has some giant like throughout the books. He's called mm-hmm. a giant and things like that. But mm-hmm. I think this, like symbolically to me, when you you see these minor characters, I won't say Tyrion is a minor character and I won't say Sam no. is a minor character because they are right. both POV characters. But I would say they aren't in the forefront as much as characters like John and Danny. Yeah, uh, I would say... Definitely, I, I feel Tyrion is definitely primary. Sam feels secondary 
Uh, I mean, he has his own POVs, yeah. but um, I, I do feel that, you know, Sam and Tyrion are both sort of George's mouthpieces yes. in the book. So I wonder sometimes when, you know, he makes those giant shadow references to them, he's sort of, it's sort of a, of a reflection of how he sees himself as uh, oh. outwardly maybe a small person, but someone who has a lot of influence in a much more subtle way. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Like George is kind of like inserting himself into the story. I like that. Yeah. But I I also think um I guess I won't say they're like secondary characters. I feel like Tyrion is definitely secondary to the northern plot, like right, the white yes. Wal- the white walker plot. And I don't think Sam is secondary to it, but he's not as hands-on with it as oh, John. And I feel like that means that could be foreshadowing that they both are going to have a big part to play in the um, in the, the northern North, plot in the northern plot in the, with the White Walkers. I see, which is interesting because Sam is in Old Town right now. He's yeah. like very far, so I wonder if that's some hint hint at whatever is going to go down in Old Town is going to somehow be connected to the Wall falling or any of the northern plot line. I think it is. There's Mm. no, I feel like there's no fucking way (laughs) in that a million years does Mm. Sam have not anything to do with what goes on in the North. Like he has to, I feel like he has to go North. I feel like Mm. he has to, like a lot of the things that happened in season eight, like Sam reuniting with John and um, Sam being in the fight, Sam giving, um, taking uh damn it i'm drawing a blank sam taking a heart spain like i do feel like those are big bullet points that are going to happen are they going to happen the same way probably not but i do think sam will get heart spain i do think sam will go north yeah woof that's gonna take a while for him to go back north i mean it's taken (laughs) it's taken him so long to just get that i mean he's not even i mean yeah he's in old town right now he hasn't even been there for very long um and yeah. uh yeah and and yeah how is he I'm not sure if what happens in the next two books god willing um will uh reflect what happens in the show I don't know if he's gonna go mm-hmm. back to Horn Hill maybe he'll still get Heartsbane somehow but I just don't see all of that travel happening I could um, see I could see whoever kills Randall Tarley Okay. May, may it be uh, Danny, maybe Aegon, maybe Brienne. Brienne, whoever kills him might give it to Sam. Right. It's, assuming yeah. Dickon, assuming Dickon gets killed yeah. too. Right. Yeah. But I feel like, like, let's talk about this for a second about mm-hmm. where these books are going. So mm-hmm. before we get back into John's chapter, John's POV chapter, I feel there's no way he wraps this up in two books. I've thought about this too. Um, I, I forget, I think it was Indie Geek who's done a video on how will Winds of Winter fit into Winds of Winter. Mm-hmm. And he does sort of an, like an interesting, okay, this is what the average length of every book is. This is how many chapters typically each POV gets. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, after, I remember seeing that and being pretty convinced there's no way that Winds won't be two volumes. Um, and maybe uh, yeah at the same time but in two volumes I mean like like feast and dance (laughs) right yeah yeah like spiritually it will be one book but physically it'll be 
to physical books? Maybe. Yeah, I, it's, there, there's like no way because if we think about it, like of where people are, like you have to bring all of these people back to Westeros. Mm-hmm. Um, so Danny, like right now, Danny's like all in the Dothraki Sea and shit. Like she's way far west. Yeah, um, there's like he talks about this battle for marine uh the battle of fire being mm-hmm. in the beginning of winds but danny's not there she's right not there. so okay. she's not gonna be a part of that and then she's gonna have to come back to marine go to clean, volantis in the clean, middle clean that up go to volantis like get to westeros and and you know like george doesn't write like Oh, and then she flew to Westeros. No, it would be like this <laughs> long drawn out. Like we would know like everything she's passing. Right. We would hear the, the conversations she's that she's having with the small folk. I mean, look at how many chapters it Tyrion with Tyrion just on the Roin, just going down the Roin. That was like three. Right. So right. Yeah. Like there's a no way like that. Ha- all of that happens in one <laughs> book. Plus Arya has to get to Westeros. So Arya's in Bravos. She has to get to Westeros. Um, Tyrion, we have to see like, is Tyrion gonna come to Westeros with Danny? I do think that Tyrion and Danny will um will definitely yeah. he will be team Danny. Yeah, he will be, or at least he will be cooperating with her for a while. I don't know how much he's gonna actually sympathize with her and what she wants only only to what he can gain from it um but but yeah no I I completely agree and there's it could be a probably a separate novella for every POV in terms of what they're going to be doing in between the end state of dance and whatever the end state of wins is going to be um yeah there's no way he can fit it into a publishable manuscript for for one book and I I feel like that's one of the reasons it's taking him so long probably and I I think another thing that's taken him a long time is who is telling John's POV like Mm, yeah while he's dead like who is at the wall who's gonna give the POV of John's resurrection yeah, well, I feel like the first POV at the wall might be Melisandre. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I imagine, I don't know if George is going to go ahead and give a, a quote-unquote dead person a POV. Um, like my like head, the I, ghost? Yeah, like, oh, morbidly, I love thinking about a ghost John POV. Because I imagine, like, in between John's semi-coherent thoughts, it's just just wolf thoughts and then maybe a little blood raven that would be funny but well, we had impossible to write we had um that pov from like bran where it was like bran in summer where right he, so everything was kind of described a little different like mm-hmm. summer described the comet yeah. as a dragon and like so i, I feel like that's possible but that's I wonder possible. if that's what's, I wonder if like things like that, like just the little nuances of mm-hmm. well, who tells this, because I, I think it's kind of hard for Melisandre to tell the story without giving away too much. Like if, mm-hmm. if Melisandre tells it, unless he does it in a way where Melisandre doesn't even really understand what's happening. 
like and, yeah yeah no I I agree with that it could be that she I, I wonder how much she knows and understands about wargs and second lives yeah and magic in general yeah like the the magic that would be because I feel like he does I feel like George never wants to explain the magic or anything like that mm-hmm. like he like he keeps certain things hidden hidden and that's why we don't get POVs. Right. And like he said, Hal and Reed would never get a POV because he knows too fucking much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I I think he's he's it's probably I don't know, it's probably I just want the fucking book. Like just give us the fucking book, George, please. I know, I know. It's been yeah, it's been 10 years since I've I've read these books and um like since dance came out. That was around when I read them. Um and uh woof, yeah, I I mean only good vibes this way, but uh mm-hmm. but yeah. I'm I'm dying every time um I, I'm around Santa Fe a lot actually. Mm-hmm. Uh because um I, I my boyfriend lives out in New Mexico mm-hmm. and every time we drive through Santa Fe, I'm always like uh, where are you, George? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sending you, sending you good vibes. Please like, finish wins. Yeah. Like just send us, just send us a, a, a give us a, another preview chapter. Like just give right. us a, a, another preview chapter. That'll hold us for another. That, that would be, that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So, um, John basically the, throws his hood on, uh, on, on his cloak and just kind of just dips out a castle black mm-hmm. and sam falls over and john is like no one would see him go no one but sam tarley struggling back to his feet in the dust of the old stables he hoped sam hadn't hurt himself falling like that he was so heavy and so ungainly it would be just like him to break a wrist or twist his ankle getting out of the way i warned him john said aloud it was nothing to do with him anyway he flexed his burned hand as he rode, opening and closing the scarred fingers. They still pained him, but it felt good to have the wrappings off. Moonlight, moonlight silvered the hills as he followed. Moonlight silvered the hills as he followed the twisting ribbon of the King's Road. He needs to get as far from the wall as he could before they realized he was gone. On the morrow, he would leave the road and strike out over land through field and bush and stream to throw off pursuit. But for the moment, speed was more important than deception. It was not as though they would not guess where he was going. So John has left the wall. He's a deserter at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's going straight down the King's Road. Um, And I think it's a really cool description of the scene like the moonlight the stillness of the castle Mm -hmm. the freezing cold and and he says the cold dead breath on his face foreshadowing of old man (laughs) winter (laughs) yeah absolutely oh man i um it's it's such a silly too for him to run out and I mean everything that comes after this is him sort of rolling it over in his head and trying to justify it to himself yeah but it's so it's so stupid it's so um you know I mean I guess we'll get into it later but you know he knows he's not sure of what is waiting for him on the other end he's pretty sure all roads end in death but then at the same time he's just rolling it over in his head convincing himself this is what he has to do yeah and it's it's 
it's not what he has to do. Like, bro, you seen what happened? Like the prologue of this, I'm not the prologue, the first branch chapter of this book, you seen what happens to people that leave the Night's Watch. Exactly. You know what happens. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, it's, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was good. No, go ahead. Cause I was going to just move on. So you, if. Oh no, I, I was just going to say there's, you know, when he's when he's deserting the night's watch and and like you said you know in the first chapter they uh over what happens when you leave um I was also thinking it should be technically easier to leave because you just have to get rid of the black clothes right yeah um I mean Jon Snow might be slightly more well known than just some random person Mm -hmm. um but even so it's still it's still such a it's such a dumb decision. Right? Like this can only end in him dying. And it's just the fact that he's what, 14, 15 and yeah. thinks like, this is what, uh, what I, like a hero is supposed to do is like go to his brother's aid. But anyway, but knowing uh, the kind of King your brother is your boy, well, he's not a King yet. He's about to be a King, but knowing, king. knowing the kind of person your brother is, he would send you back to the fucking wall. He sent you back to the wall. Exactly. He's Ned's son. And yeah. that's what that's what Ned's son would do. It, it's really, it's really sad actually when he starts imagining the scenario that would play out at Winterfell. And that's he's probably right that Bran would want him to come in and Bran's a little kid and it's his brother. He wouldn't think twice about it, but Maester Lewin would probably just turn him away. Yeah. And then when he imagines what Rob would do when he sees him and can't imagine it. Because he's not—he's not delusional. He knows that he mm-hmm. knows that Rob would do the right thing, which is what Ned would do. And um, it, and the, the the interesting thing about that is it because John knows what Rob would do because it's the same thing John would do in right. Rob's place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, John knows what's right. They were both raised by the same man. They were instilled with the same values. Um, and uh, him trying to imagine what Rob would do and also what Ned would do if it were Benjamin, mm-hmm. um, I think was really telling in terms of, even though he's being like kind of dumb, like a dumb teenager right off, like making a stupid decision that would only lead to him dying, um, that he still knows, he, like he won't delude himself into thinking that Rob would do anything different. Yeah. And um, so John is just trying to put like as many, <clears throat> excuse me, John is trying to put as many miles as he can between him and Castle Black. So he's like, no one is awake but Sam. So as long as Sam doesn't go (laughs) betray him, he'll be good. And he says the fat boy was dutiful and easily frightened, but he loved John like a brother. If questioned, Sam would doubtless tell them the truth, but John could not imagine him braving the guards in front of the King's Tower to wake Mormont from sleep. So John is banking on that scenario and the old bear not knowing that mm-hmm. John has left until John doesn't bring him his breakfast. And um, he left Longclaw on the bed. And he says, mm-hmm. he says about Longclaw, it had been hard to abandon it, but John was not so lost to honor as to take it with him. Even Jorah Mormont had not done that when he fled in disgrace. Doubtless Lord Mormont would find someone more worthy of the blade. John felt bad when he thought of the old man. He knew his desertion would be salt in the still raw wounds of his son's disgrace. That seemed a poor way to repay him for his trust, but it couldn't be helped. No matter what he did, 
John felt as though he were betraying someone. And I want to talk about this because the theme with these last chapters of these characters of these POV characters, these last chapters of their book seems to hint at their overall themes, like going forward, like Danny brings back these dragons and these, um, yeah. And these dragons, like it, the, the last line in the chapter is, you know, for the first time in a hundred years, the night came alive with the music of dragons. And that's directly opposed to Rob's or Cat Cat's uh, last chapter where Rob gets named King in the North. And Cat um, is like, for the, for the hundreds, for words that haven't been spoken in hundreds of years, we're now being spoken again. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, we're seeing that these, they're setting up these big overall themes for these characters. And for John, this betrayal where he feels like no matter what he does, he's betraying somebody. Right. I feel like his story is going to end like that. No matter what he ends up doing in the end, mm-hmm he's going to feel like he's betraying somebody so even if you take season eight and you say okay well season eight is real what season eight that i don't fucking think it's real but (laughs) let's just say it is in the end john winds up killing danny he betrays Mm -hmm. her and he's talking to terry and he says you know it doesn't feel like i did the right thing does it feel like i did the right thing Mm -hmm. but if he didn't kill her he felt like he was betraying his family so mm-hmm. I feel like there, there will be some scenario where he does betray Danny. I don't know if it's ki- by killing her. And if it is by killing her, I feel like it would be like some voluntary Nisa Nisa sacrifice or, or right. he is the sacrifice, but she has like, when Danny goes to the house of the undying, she does have, uh, like her last fire is a betrayal for love. It has to do with the betrayal for love. Yes. And and I'll I'll preface this by saying I also don't believe in season eight. Um, but <laughs> season eight <laughs> anti-truthers. <laughs> season eight anti-truthers, absolutely. Um, but no, I, I definitely agree that all of John's story has him being set up to be in a a choice position at the very end, which will likely involve the in some way. I don't know if it will manifest in him killing her. Um, I would prefer that not to happen. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if, it, if it's set up correctly, then it makes sense. But I mean, even with Egret, right, later yeah. on, he's also put into just another choiceless situation where he has real feelings for her. And also on top of that has been able to humanize the wildlings in his mind to know that it's not a completely right decision mm-hmm. not just run away with run away from them but also to you know inform the night's watch on their movements and prepare the night's watch to to fight them and likely kill a lot of them when yeah. he probably deep down already knows that the right thing would be to put as many people south of the wall as possible mm-hmm. so yeah, I do think that the setup in this chapter is just showing how John is just constantly either placing himself or being placed in these 
situations where he has no good choice. Yeah. These impossible situations where he has to make hard choices that Mm -hmm. are like, even with the, the Stannis thing, like with the Stannis and the wildlings things, like he's grateful that Stannis has came to the wall. Right. But like, also like he wants to help the wildlings. So he feels like either he helps the wildlings or he betrays the night's watch or he stays faithful to the night's watch and he betrays the wildlings. So like he always Mm -hmm. is facing the feeling of betrayal and Mm -hmm. these hard, impossible choices. And I think that's an Mm -hmm. overall theme for John throughout all of these Mm -hmm. books. And and every time he's faced with those decisions, he ultimately chooses the night's watch, except at the end of dance when he's sort of forced to choose between Arya and the Stark family home and and the Night's Watch, or at least knowing what a Lord Commander of the Night's Watch should do in this position, which is not participate in political fights uh, mm-hmm. in, in the continent. Uh, and yeah. then when he chooses against that, that's when he dies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when he comes back, he won't have the Night's Watch to choose from, because I do feel like that that's a thing. Like, I do feel like he's not going to stay loyal to the Night's Watch because they killed him. Oh, <laughs> like the whole, <laughs> my watch has ended. <laughs> yeah. My watch died, so that counts. I feel like that's a real fucking thing because <laughs> the vows are like, until my death. Okay, well, you're dead. <laughs> so you don't have to serve this shit anymore. I mean, and- I feel like no one can argue against that. Like right, if like- he says that's the case, then they'll be like, okay, I guess, I guess you're not wrong. Right, like he was like butchered by them. Fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So continuing on in the chapter, he talks Mm -hmm. about like um, him needing to find new clothes, like how he was going to have to steal them. Um, He talks about like what will happen. So he he talks about Maester Aemon will send ravens. and he would have no safe haven. And th- I think this is what you're talking about. He says, not even at Winterfell. Bran might want to let me in, but Maester Lewin had better sense. He would bar the gates and send John away as he should. Better not to call there at all. Yet he saw the castle clear in his mind's eye as if he had left it only yesterday. The towering granite walls, the great hall with its smells of smoke and dog and roasting meat, his father's solar, the turret room where he had slept. Part of him wanted nothing so much as to hear Bran laugh again, to sup on one of Gage's beef and bacon pies, to listen to old Nan tell her tales of the children of the forest and Florian the fool. But he had not left the wall for that. He had left because he was after all his father's son and Rob's brother. The gift of a sword, even a sword as fine as Longclaw, did not make him a Mormont nor was he Aemon Targaryen. Ooh, yes, you are. I know. (laughs) Yes, you are. Oh, boy. Uh, Three times the old man had chosen, and three times he had chosen honor. But that was him. Even now, John could not decide whether the maester had stayed because he was weak and craven or because he was strong and true. Yet he understood what the old man had meant about the pain of choosing. He understood that all too well. And this is another hint 
that John about John's difficult choices, but also I don't know if you've seen um my video about John's real name being Aemon Targaryen. I feel like his real name is Aemon Targaryen, but when he says "Nor was he Aemon Targaryen," I'm like, "Yes, you are. <laughs> you are Aemon Targaryen." Though that part is so telling because he's saying he left because he was his father's son and Rob's brother, which technically he's. He's not. not. And then he, and then he, it's like something that he thinks he is, but he isn't. And then he says he's not a Mormon and that's why he left Longclaw. So it's something that he isn't, but he knows he isn't. And then he says he isn't Aemon Targaryen. It just feels like that weird threefold structure that like, George uses a lot to um, either reveal things or to, or as plot points. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just such a huge tell. There's so much. R plus L equals J foreshadowing in game, which there isn't as much of in the other books. Um, yeah. This is definitely one of them. He really does most of the groundwork in this book. Um, but I also wanted to talk about when he says Maester Eamon three times the old man had chosen and three times he mm-hmm. had chosen honor. Um, I think this is also a hint at John making three impossible choices throughout the books. I don't think this is one of them because even though he left he came back right um I would have to like look and really identify what these three choices are but I feel like when George puts things in groups of three like he's not making a mistake like with Danny it's three fires you will light um Mm -hmm. three mounts you like three is a very symbolic number in this story and mm-hmm. I do think that John is going to be faced with three impossible choices. Um, one of them might have been taking the black. Audit. I don't know. Yeah. That it could be feels... this. This could be one because he did actually choose to leave and he came back. Yeah, I I could see this being one. I feel like his choice to join the Night's Watch, um, which is this might back up back things up a little bit, but I do feel it like it, it was a lot of trying to find his proper place uh especially with Catelyn around he probably didn't think that he could stay in Winterfell at all or uh even when his she said he couldn't she said he couldn't exactly (laughs) uh and also even I mean he had that option Uh, I mean he talks about Ned uh discussing the gift and how maybe uh John would hold one of the revived keeps in the gift to sort mm-hmm. of strengthen that region um and so he knew he had that option open for him but he was probably pressured not just by Catelyn but also by just a very real sense of needing to find his place and then probably looking at Uncle Benjen and thinking oh yeah like it, he's great and he does this so like you know it, it wouldn't be a bad thing for me to do it too um yeah. where he got that romanticized version uh of of the night's watch in his head mm-hmm. so i don't think that was an impossible choice for him i see that as being sort of like i see like a parallel with jamie and jamie deciding to become part of the king's guard yeah he romanticized it so much and it's like those decisions were both made when they were teenagers they were really young i also think that george is also thinking about like i mean he was an adult during vietnam so he's probably also thinking about all the young yeah kids around him that decided to join the war and then were so disillusioned afterwards Mm -hmm. like when I when I think about John and I think about Jamie I think they feel like the 
the green, let's say, um, rose color, rose colored glasses yeah. boys that join er, that swear oaths and and join these entities only to find out that they weren't really what they were all cracked up to be. Um, that makes a ton of sense that he's that he's doing that. Yeah, but 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 to go back to what you were saying, like I I, I agree. I don't think that joining was one of his impossible choices. And I don't necessarily think that leaving might have been an impossible choice for him because it was sort of like an in the moment like a thing. S- he, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um maybe coming choices, back. Maybe coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And he's done that twice. Because he could have mm-hmm. stayed with the wildlings, but he came back. Right. Yeah. And then also I think uh the one at the end of dance is definitely oh yeah, that's definitely one of his impossible choices. Yeah. Yeah, but there's gonna be some more. We gotta find out what all right. three of them are. <laughs> there's gonna be some more. Um, I want to talk about this paragraph right here because this I feel yeah. like is also um foreshadowing that John. Mm-hmm. So it says Tyrion Lannister had claimed that most men would rather deny a hard truth than face it, but John was done with denials. He was who he was, John Snow bastard and oathbreaker, motherless friendless and damned for the rest of his life however long that might be he would be condemned to be an outsider the silent man standing in the shadows who dares not speak his true name wherever he might go throughout the seven kingdoms he would need to live a lie lest every man's hand be raised against him but it made no matter so long as he lived long enough to take his place by his brother's side and help avenge his father so when he is saying like no matter where he goes in the kingdoms he needs to be a silent man standing in the shadows who dares not speak his true name or like every man's hand will be raised against him yes that applies to the night's watch but that also applies to if he is a targaryen right if his true name is amen if his true name is amen targaryen yeah you better not speak your true name everybody will hand will be raised against you 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 will have and i do think that once he finds out that he is a targaryen he is Rhaegar's son that he will not openly tell anyone about it he will still remain Jon snow Hmm. That's I interesting. Think, I but I do think I do think people will find out about it just because they'll find out about it because in George's original outline, have you read George's original outline? Yes. Okay. So if you haven't and you don't, I don't think it's spoilery because yeah, it's so, so it's so twisted and like it's not the same. But it says like everyone will learn John's parentage in the big climax of the story. Mm -hmm. So this is a central plot line, his parentage, but what effect would it have on the story is like, is it just, it doesn't have an effect on the story. I don't think so. George is building some kind of climax for us to learn his parentage. So I do think that it's going to be important and Mm -hmm. I think he'll know it for a while before other people learn it. Right. Um, No, I I agree with that. I wonder if, and this is really funny when you juxtapose it against season eight, but I wonder if that climax should be if he just gets on a dragon, which they did like super casually in season eight. Uh, It made me so fucking mad. (laughs) I know. (laughs) 
no, no, that was that was abominable. It was horrible. Like it was it, almost it was comedy. Like, like, oh, exactly. you rode a dragon. No one even I asked know. him, like, how were you able to ride a dragon? <laughs> I know. It's yeah, I wonder how I, I mean I I don't know if I'm going to really follow House of the Dragon, but I wonder if they're gonna make it a big deal in the show and that's gonna make season eight look even weirder in retrospect like mm-hmm. if if riding a dragon right like getting the dragon seeds together to like try to see if they can find a bastard with Targaryen heritage uh yeah. to ride a dragon um if they do that whole plot line it's gonna make season eight look so much more dumb but anyway mm-hmm. I wonder mm-hmm. if the climax will be when you know Daenerys is looking for for dragon riders and John is able to ride one in yeah. some undead state. And maybe that's the, the reveal, but I don't know. Yeah. I think there will be a big, huge reveal. There will be some climax he's building too. I would like it to be like the, like the red sewing Daenerys calling for dragon riders and Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, so where are you from again? And then they start trying <laughs> to figure out like how he's able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we continue in the chapter, it says he remembered Rob as he had last seen him, standing in the yard with snow melting in his auburn hair. He sees Rob again in that mm-hmm. dream where he has the flaming sword and mm-hmm. like he's fighting people on the wall. He sees Rob just like mm-hmm. he's described here with the snow with the snow melting in his auburn hair and he like kills Rob in that dream. Um, it said John would have John would have to come to him in secret, disguised. He tried to imagine the look on Rob's face when he revealed himself. His brother would shake his head and smile, and he'd say, he'd say, he could not see the smile. Hard as he tried, he could not see it. He found himself thinking of the deserter his father had beheaded the day they found the direwolves. You said the words, Lord Eddard had told him. You took a vow before your brothers, before the old gods and the new. Desmond and Fat Tom had dragged the man to the stump. Bran's eyes had been wide as saucers, and John had to remind him to keep his pony in hand. He remembered the look on Father's face when Theon Greyjoy brought forth ice, the spray of blood on the snow, the way Theon, the way Theon had kicked the head when it came rolling at his feet. He wondered what Lord Eddard might have done if the deserter had been his brother. Benjen instead of that rag Benjen. Mm. He wondered what Lord Eddard might have done if the deserter had been his brother, Benjen, instead of the ragged stranger. Would it have been any different? It must. Surely. Surely. And Rob would welcome him for a certainty. He had to or else. No, it's so fucking sad. Like, I think, so he's, I think he's realizing they're not, they're not gonna, like, even if Rob wanted to, Right. Rob has um, great lords all around him. Umber, Bolton, Karsark. Like, these are all northern lords that they're not going to want a deserter of the Night's Watch in their party. Exactly. Yeah. It would affect Rob's uh, political influence a ton if he broke all norms and decided to let John just hang out. Yeah. Yeah. it would it would it's sure. it's absolutely heartbreaking too because it's it's almost it's knowing that they'll never see each other again yeah. um yeah and it's it's that makes it really sad that like this uh the night's watch is also you know preventing that reunion as well yeah give me one second mm-hmm. yuki 
Come here, Yuki. Oh my god. <laughs> I love your Yuki posts. She's precious. Thank you. I love her to death. I just wish she stopped barking right now. Yuki. <laughs> Come here, Yuki. Literally, it's probably just somebody walking past the window. <laughs> and she just goes crazy. <laughs> Yuki. Come here, Yuki. Uh, give me one second. Let me get her because she's not going to start barking. Hold on one second. Yuki, come on. Come on. Get up here. Good girl. Why is your barking? Stop that barking. Come on. Come sit in here. <laughs> silly dog all right where were we oh <clears throat> yeah so he will he will never see them again and that's so sad but hopefully he gets to see Arya and Sansa yeah. and Bran and Rickon even hopefully by the end of this thing but mm-hmm. um John's like not afraid to die Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't want to die, but he's not afraid to die. Um, and he says, if he must perish, let it be with the sword in his hand, fighting his father's killers. He was no true Stark, had never been one, but he could die like one. Let them say that Eddard Stark had fathered four sons, not three. Um, and then he's talking about like ghosts, you know, ghosts running beside him, keep it. And we're going to talk about ghosts in a minute because ghosts. (laughs) I fucking love ghosts. (laughs) Ghost is such a good boy. Yeah, he's such a good boy. Um, (laughs) And I just like the the imagery of this scene, like is so dope when it's like, um, Mm. when they're riding, like John's riding in the night, it's, it's, it's cold, it's snowy. Well, it's not, it doesn't say it's snowy. I'm just imagining it's the North. there's snow on the ground um but he's talking about them um slowing down and and stopping and he's like ghost's eyes were glowing red in the moonlight and then he vanished behind but john knew he would follow at his own pace and i'm just like can you imagine just seeing ghosts there like the moon in the sky the snow on the ground it's night and just see these fucking red eyes glowing in the dark (laughs) like i want a ghost I got a Yuki, but I want a ghost. <laughs> um, but he is getting to Molestown. And he's yeah. like, he's like seeing Molestown for the first, well, not the first time he's seen it before. Um, and he sees like, you know, it's not uncommon for people from the Night's Watch to leave the wall at night and go to Molestown. Right. That's like a common thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no one seems to care about oath breaking at most town mm-hmm. yeah when it's just one night i think i think when the stakes are low um it's like an unspoken you know okay this is where we'll let the leash get a little loose you know um yeah. i also think that this is is this like is this the only time some a pov is actually in most town yeah and yeah because i i was i i didn't realize like i only realized when i was rereading it um that so much of Molestown is underground. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever been to Montreal, uh, but 
they have like the underground city I've um, never been is, yeah well, you, you gotta check it out it's it's like um I mean it's just it, it's kind of like a connections between the train stations mm-hmm. um and also you know shopping centers food places that you can go to and it's all underground it made me think um, of Harry Potter <laughs> like when he first goes to Hogwarts right yeah um and I just think oh man that's that's funny because it, it just must be it's because it's so cold it's like mm-hmm. a good way to get around when it's freezing and yeah. you don't want to go outside and you want to avoid the wind so I I thought that was interesting the the detail that was included in there that all of the whole sound or a lot of it is underground mm-hmm. do you think that uh let me ask you a question real quick before we get back in. oh but no before I ask you that question I want to um talk about this um mm-hmm. John says the snow melt was icy cold. He drank and splashed some on his face until his cheeks tingled. His fingers were throbbing worse than they had in days and his head was pounding too. Am I doing the right thing? He told himself. So why do, why do I feel so bad? So why do I feel so bad? And I think that's like a jet, like John, you're about to have more of these inner thoughts (laughs) in your head. Like if you're doing the right thing and if you are, then why does it feel so bad? But I wanted to ask you, do you think a ghost disappeared to go hunting or do you think ghosts disappeared to kind of lead Sam and Pip and Grin in the right direction? (laughs) (laughs) I think, no, 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 I I absolutely think so. I don't think, um, you know, I, I don't think that the things that ghost does are accidents. And I wonder, because, you know, I, I wonder how far in advance George had thought up of Blood Raven, mm-hmm. because, I, I mean, it could be, it could be that I'm wrong, but I'm not, I don't know if he had thought of him up until this point, but definitely Ghost has a lot of, I and mean, he looks like a wirewood tree, um, he found the severed hand, um, and there's just, a lot going on with him and I you know there there's no I don't think that these things are accidents I, I do think that uh you know yeah. when when ghost does things in the story they're very intentional they they always end up leading to something else yeah I I think that George thought of Blood Raven I know a lot of people don't think that that George thought of Blood Raven early on I mm-hmm. think he thought of Blood Raven very very mm-hmm. early like in the beginning mm-hmm. because when he talks about him writing a game of thrones he's like um it was the the direwolf puppy scene yeah that, and then finding those direwolves in the snow he was like you know i just had this vision of it in my head and i just had to write it and i like wrote that whole chapter almost as you read right. it in like i think he said like two days right and it's like to me, the direwolves are connected to the children of the forest. They're connected to Blood Raven. They are a big, big, huge part of the Stark story. That's why, like, when Game of Thrones was like treating them like purses or like Gucci sneakers or something, like, oh, this is just an accessory <laughs> that Starks have. Like, oh, no. no, bitch. <laughs> like, no, they're actually very important to the Starks. They're very important to the story. So, like, start treating them like that please but yeah um I think that Blood Raven was thought of did, I mean did he know that Blood Raven was going to be Brendan Rivers I don't know but right. I'm, I'm pretty sure that he knew that he was going to have this because because he 
because he had to know that somebody had to train brand right like, some, like brand was ultimately like brand brands um in the initial outline was always going to find magic he was always going on a magical quest so right. somebody had to train him so and I think that somebody was always going to be Blood Raven. Now, did he know it was going to be Brendan Rivers that was a bastard Targaryen? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long it took him to find, but I definitely think Blood Raven was very much so in the beginning. And we can see, like, even from like Brand's coma dream, right? You that's know true. that there's some influence going on there. Um, but so John is trying to find Ghost. He's like Ghost ghost to me and ghost isn't coming and it's like john's like uh ghost he called again where are you to me ghost nothing in the woods could trouble a direwolf even a half-grown direwolf unless no ghost was too smart to attack a bear and if there was a wolf pack anywhere close john would have surely heard them howling he should eat he decided food would settle his stomach and give ghost the chance to catch up there was no danger yet Castle Black still slept. In his saddlebag, he found a biscuit, a piece of cheese, and a small withered brown apple. He brought salt beef as well and a rasher of bacon. He'd flinched from the <clears throat> and a rasher of bacon he'd filched from the kitchens. Yuki, no. <laughs> but he would save the meat for the morrow. After it was gone, he'd need to hunt, and that would slow him. John sat under the trees and ate his biscuit and cheese while his mare grazed along the King's Road. He kept the apple for last. It had gone a little soft, but the flesh was still tart and juicy. He was down to the core when he heard the sounds, horses, and from the north. Quickly, John leapt up and strode to his mare. Could he outrun them? No, they were too close. They'd hear him for certain. And if they were from Castle Black, he led the mare off the road behind the thick stand of gray-green sentinels. Quiet now, he said in a hushed voice, crouching down to peer through the branches. If the gods were kind, the riders would pass by, likely as not. They were only small folk from Molestown, farmers on their way to the fields, although what they were doing out in the middle of the night. He listened to the sound of hooves growing steadily louder as they trotted briskly down the King's Road. From the sound, there were five or six of them at least. Their voices drifted through the trees. Certain he came this way. We can't be certain. He could have ridden east for all you know, or left the road to cut through the woods. That's what I'd do. In the dark, stupid, if you didn't fall off your horse and break your neck, you'd get lost and wind up back at the wall when the sun came up. I would not. Gren sounded peeved. I'd just ride south. You could tell south by stars. What if the sky was cloudy, Pip asked. Then I wouldn't go. So it's John's friends and they're back. Um, and John's like trying to hide from them. Like he's, um, holding still, he's holding his breath. Like he realizes that it's Sam. Um, and ghost kind of gives away his position. Ghost comes like, as he's hiding, they don't know, like, they're like, there's nothing here. And then out of the corner of, of, his eye john glimpsed a pale shape moving through the trees leaves rustled and ghosts came bounding out of the shadows so suddenly that john's mare started startled and gave a whinny there halder shouted i heard it too 
Traitor, John told the dire wolf as he swung up into the saddle. <laughs> so Ghost does not want John to leave the wall. Ghost knows that John's place is at the wall and Ghost like dry snitches on John. And I love it. <laughs> I, I love, love it. John knows. He's like, Traitor. He's very ready to, very ready to blame uh, his very good boy, Ghost. Yes. But I think like when Ghost like disappeared to go hunting and I'm air quoting here, I think he was like trying. He, right. I think he realized that they were coming for John and he's like, okay, mm-hmm. John, we're going back to the wall. I don't feel like going South. Like my siblings have went South. It didn't work out for one of them. Mm-hmm. We're not doing that. You, I don't want you to die, John. Like Ghost is such a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I also love how Pip and Gren share one brain cell at all times yes. it's, so, it's so funny yes. <laughs> oh man yeah my my youngest brother who's eight years younger than me he read the books for the first time not long ago and his and the john chapters were his favorite mm-hmm. uh and i asked him why and he goes because it's about john snow and the boys <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, i i like john's chapters too like i mm-hmm. like all of them the only chapter I don't, there's not really a chapter that I really don't care for the Greyjoy stuff. Like, right. I like it. Like I'll read it, but like, it's not my favorite. <laughs> like, it's not my yeah. Favorite. I like the Aeron stuff and I like the Aeron and Victorian stuff because it's so different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Theon and Asha stuff, I'm not, I'm not too big of a fan of. I love the Theon stuff in the North, like the, um, mm, when he's yeah. Reek. Like I did not. <laughs> No, that was fucking Theon for a minute. When I was like, <laughs> when I found out it was Theon, I was like, <gasps> oh, my yeah, God. He, he sets up that reveal so well in that chapter. Yes. Hmm. Um, so basically, they have come to take John back where he belongs. Um, John's boys, Pip, Toad, Gren, Sam, Halder, and. Um, it's one more right i forget who it was um but they like tell him the words like now my mm-hmm. watch begins you said it it shall not end till my death i shall live and die at my post you don't have to tell me the words i know them as well as you do <laughs> he was angry now why couldn't they let him go in peace they were only making it harder <clears throat> I am the sword in the darkness, Halder intoned. The watcher on the walls, Pipe told. John cursed them all to their faces. They took no notice. Pip spurred his horse closer, reciting, I am the fire that burns against the cold, the light that brings the dawn, the horn that wakes the sleepers, the shield that guards the realms of men. Stay back, John warned him, brandishing his sword. I mean it, Pip. They weren't even wearing armor. He could cut them to pieces if he had to. I pledge my life and honor to the night's wash. John kicked his mare, spinning spinning her in a circle. The boys were all around him now, closing from every side. For this night, Halder trotted, and all nights to come, finished Pip. He reached over for John's reins. So here are your choices. Kill me or come back with me. John lifted his sword and lowered it helpless. Damn you, he said. Damn you all. Do we have to bind your hands or will you give us your word? You'll ride back peaceful. I won't run if that's what you mean. Ghost moved out from under the trees and John glared at him. Small help you were, he said. The deep red eyes looked at him knowingly. 
So John is John isn't willing to kill them to leave. <laughs> so right. he's going back. Mm, exactly. And he, he he thinks also he could probably fight them and not kill them, but at this point he's probably thinking it's way too messy to get out of this situation right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like they're and and it they're his friends and I think the actual ride down and thinking what what kind of life he would have yeah on the friendless yeah yeah and homeless and friendless and like Rob's not gonna welcome you there's no way Rob's gonna welcome you and you know that like you were saying that's why he can't imagine it because he knows Mm -hmm. he's not gonna right yeah um so they go back to the wall and um, it says Samuel Tarley awaited them in the old stables, slumped on the ground against the bale of hay, too anxious to sleep. He rose and brushed himself off. I, I'm glad they found you, John. I'm not, John said, dismounting. Pip hopped off his horse and looked at the lightning sky with disgust. Give us a hand bedding down the horses, Sam, the small boy said. We have a long day before us and no sleep to face it on, thanks to Lord Snow. So when John gets back, when the day breaks, John goes to the kitchens like he does his regular thing, gets the old bear's breakfast, and he takes the food back, and he is there with um, Mormont and Mormont's raven. Mormont's Ravens, of course, asking for corn. <laughs> and um, the old bear says, put the food down. You know, I'll have some beer. And then John opens the windows. Like, he gets the flag and a beer. Um, and then Mormont starts to talk. Doubtless you loved your father, Mormont said when John brought him his horn. The things we love destroy us every time, lad. Remember when I told you that? I remember, John said sullenly. He did not care to talk of his father's death, not even to Mormont. See that you never forget it. The hard truths are the ones to hold tight. Fetch me my plate. Is it ham again? So be it. You look weary. Was your moonlight ride so tiring? John, John's throat was dry. You know? And then the raven says, no, no. The old bear snorted. Do you think they chose me Lord Commander of the Night's Watch because I'm dumb as a stump snow? Eamon told me you'd go. I told him you'd be back. I know my men and my boys too. Honor set you on the King's Road and honor brought you back. My friends brought me back, John said. Did I say it was your honor? Mormont inspected his plate. That's one of my favorite lines, <laughs> especially from George Mormont. Uh, George Mormont, <laughs> especially from Gior Mormont. Mm-hmm. that it wasn't John's honor that brought him back it was his friend's honor that brought right. him back but the the another one that I like the another line that I like and I think it is definitely foreshadowing is the things we love destroy us every time lad remember when I told you that that is that is that's, yeah that's deep foreshadowing deep foreshadowing <laughs> very deep yeah I mean that I mean that goes back to end of dance where he is super motivated by you know the thought of Arya mm-hmm. undergoing all this torture and then deciding to you know get up and lead wildlings to Winterfell and then getting killed in the process like yep. that's in that's even a huge example because it's not even really Arya it's just him thinking that it's Arya 
Um, so literally just the, the idea of love for, uh, you know, a family member, uh, yeah. killing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's deeper, yes. super deep foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, George, uh, why do I keep calling him George Mormont? Gior <laughs> Mormont is also like trying to kind of soothe John a little bit. Like he tells John, <laughs> like he tells John, you know, your brother is in the field with all the power of the North behind him. Any of his Lord's bannermen commands more swords than you'll find in all the Night's Watch. Why do you imagine that they need your help? Are you such a mighty warrior or do you carry a grumpkin in your pocket to magic up your sword? Like, so I, I take this as him trying to comfort him. Like you're, you're he's trying to comfort him and talk sense into him at the same time. Like, yeah, right. there's not much you're going to do to help, to help Rob, but there's no need for you to worry about Rob because Rob has the whole power of the North behind him. Right. Like, there whatever you do there is not going to make a difference you don't need to feel guilty about it Mm -hmm. agree and 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 the grumpkin magicking (laughs) up his sword too i was like (laughs) interesting choice of words yes also he tries to tell john like you're not the only one that's affected by this war like he he tells him about his sister mage mormont um going with rob Mm -hmm. Like she's with Rob. Um, and John is just like, when he, they tell him, um, Mormont says, my place is here. Where's yours, boy? And John is like, I have no place, John wanted to say. I'm a bastard. I have no rights, no name, no mother, and now not even a father. But the words would not come. I don't know. I do, said Lord Commander Mormont. The cold winds are rising snow. Beyond the wall, the shadows lengthen. Cotter Pike writes of vast herds of elk streaming south and east towards the sea, and mammoths as well. He says one of his men discovered huge, misshapen footprints not three leagues from Eastwatch. Rangers from the Shadow Tower have found whole villages abandoned. And at night, Sir Danis says that the... And at night, Sir Dana says they see fires in the mountains, huge blazes that burn from dusk till dawn. Corn Halfhand took a captive in the depths of the gorge, and the man swears that Mance Raider is massing all his people in some new secret stronghold he's found. To what end, the gods only know. Do you think your Uncle Benjen was the only ranger we've lost this past year? Benjen, the raven squawked. Benjen, Benjen. <laughs> like, the raven just like straight up is telling us shit I know I mean I I feel also it's it's rare that he says any words that are more than one syllable it's strange he would ca- catch on to Benjen Benjen um, right yeah like I feel like he's trying to say stuff like he's trying to communicate because it is for like he doesn't say multi multi-syllable words He's yeah. usually saying like corn, corn, corn. Or snow or king. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't. So so the fact that, yeah, that he would even catch on is sort of a clue to show that he's listening and also communicating. Um, but the but Benjamin's fate is just something that I can't really wrap my head around what George is trying to do there. Um, like I can't even, I mean, I know that he's explicitly said that cold hands is not vengeance um but 
if that's not the case, then I have no, I, I, I don't even have a guess as to what Bejin could be doing or what could be happening with him. I can't wait to find out for sure. Because yeah. I know he didn't just make him go missing to never be found again. Like if you wanted him to go missing and you wanted him to die, you would like, okay, Show we would the have body. his body. Yeah. Um, so the right he Mormont also asked John, Do you think your brother's war is more important than ours? And John chewed his lip. The raven flapped its wings at him. War, war, war. It's not, Mormont told him. God save us, boy. You're not blind and you're not stupid. When dead men come hunting in the night, do you think it matters who sits the Iron Throne? No, John had not thought of it that way. Your Lord Father sent you to us, John. Why? Who can say? Why, why, why? The raven called. All I know is that the blood of the first men flows in the veins of the Starks. The first men built the wall and it said they remember things otherwise forgotten. And the beast of yours, he led us to the whites warned you of the dead man on the steps sir jeremy would doubtless call that happenstance yet sir jeremy is dead and i'm not lord mormont stabbed a chunk of ham with the point of his dagger i think you were meant to be here and i want you and that wolf of yours with us when we go beyond the wall his words sent a chill of excitement down john's back beyond the wall you heard me i mean to find ben stark alive or dead he chewed and swallowed. I will not sit here meekly and wait for the snows and the ice winds. We must know what is happening. This time, the Night's Watch will ride in force against the king beyond the wall, the others, and anything else that may be out there. I mean to command them myself. He pointed his dagger at John's chest. By custom, the Lord Commander's steward is his squire as well. But I do not care to wake every dawn wondering if you've run off again. So I will have an answer from you, Lord Snow, and I will have it now. Are you a brother of the Night's Watch or only a bastard boy who wants to play at war? Jon Snow straightened himself and took a long, deep breath. Forgive me, Father, Rob, Arya, Bran. Forgive me. I cannot help you. He has the truth of it. This is my place. I am yours, my Lord, your man. I swear it. I will not run again. The old bear snorted, good, now go put on your sword. And that's how the chapter ends. And I think that's a massive foreshadowing that John will never desert the Night's Watch again. He doesn't, but in his death, he is not bound to the Night's Watch. Yes, I, yeah, I agree with that. I think that consistently his choices will ultimately having him choosing either the Night's Watch or some greater duty to fighting the, the other realm. Yeah, to the realm. realm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because that's what like that's what the Night's Watch is. And I agree with Mormont. Like when he says John is supposed to be there, like I feel John is supposed to be there. Like mm-hmm. he, he's not Ned's son, but he's still half a Stark. He does have the blood of the first man. Um, Ghost wanting John to go back to the wall is a sure enough sign that that's where John is supposed to be. Because I look at ghosts, I look at all the direwolves as kind of like spirit guides to the Starks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like they're spirit guides, but they act in that way. Like ghost is always, all the direwolves are always like protecting them and leading them right. to where they need to be. Like Summer does it. Um, 
Ghost does it, we don't really get that much from Lady and Nymeria splits up from Arya pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't really know what the fuck's going on with Rickon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shaggy Dog just reflects Rickon's. Yeah. But like, but Greywin, like Greywin tries to tell Rob like oh, about the about the West Wings. Yeah, about Sybil Spicer. Yeah, like he tries to tell them. And like even with the phrase when they go to the Red Wedding, like Greywin does mm-hmm. not fucking want to go. Like he's right growling at the fray that comes to greet them. Mm-hmm. So I mean they, and they, given and given Catelyn's fault, she does know. She's like, why aren't you listening to your your wolf because yes. she she knew that like ever since summer protected brand from the cutthroat uh she knew that the wolves understood when the kids were in danger better mm-hmm. than anyone yeah so what they don't know is that the well they know that the white walkers i feel like they know the white walkers are back because of sir jeremy Riker and um the flowers guy yeah so they know like they have proof that something isn't right in the north, and they know that Mance is forming an army. But like, common sense would be for you to treat with the wildlings and make common calls with them and yeah. not fight them. Yeah, this was something I wanted to ask about. Yeah, I'm. I'm wondering what you make of the entire expedition beyond the wall at all you know was it even a decision that made strategic sense because he says we want he wants to go in full force against man's raider and the wildlings well then why leave the wall because the the walls your your best advantage um i think part of it was like um what's that when the with the captain of the titanic where he's like where they're talk they talk about all those years of experience working against him like i feel Mm -hmm. that's the kind of situation with mormont like he wants he doesn't want to sit idle he doesn't want to sit Mm -hmm. idle he wants to to make movements and advancements like in in the not like i feel like he feels blind when he's at the wall and when they send rangers out by themselves to to scout information and to get they're not coming back so I feel like he feels like he has to go they all have to team up and go together in order to actually get information because they don't really know what's going on um so Mm -hmm. I feel like there's that but I'm with you like stay at the wall yeah fuck the the information (laughs) just stay at the wall (laughs) <laughs> or, or at the very least and I don't know if this I, I mean I, I agree with you that he probably feels that you know they've already sent scouts and none of them have come back and why keep doing the same thing if it's not working right. um, but at the very least you know yeah treat with Mance Raider uh, yeah. which isn't simple uh, I'll, I'll give him that like it wouldn't be super simple to send like a small group of rangers up to talk to him I mean, because the wildlings would probably, you know, kill them on the way or I mean, Mm -hmm. it would be hard for them to come to do any sort of diplomacy, given the mistrust between those groups. So, yeah, there would have to be some deep thinking over, you know, how How, how do you communicate? Yeah. Yeah. How to do it. Um, Yeah. I mean, 
John, well, John got to do it, but it, in a roundabout fucking way, like <laughs> right, it was yeah. accidental. It wasn't really planned. Exactly. I mean, it kind of just happened. But I mean, my thing is, is that, you know, the real enemy is not the wildlings. Like he knows that mm-hmm. he knows that. And instead of I, I think John is the only fucking smart person on the wall. Like John <laughs> is like, okay, well, because if you think about it, like, okay, if the white walkers just kill the fucking mm-hmm. wildlings and look how big the white walkers army has gotten, like mm-hmm. exactly let them through the wall. Like what the fuck? And right. there's their first men, their first mm-hmm. men that happened to be on the wrong side of the wall when it went up. That's, mm-hmm. that's all that there is to it. But yeah, so that is the chapter. Did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? Anything that you wanted to add on to? No, uh, just uh, yeah. Thank you so much for for having me on. It was it was great to talk about John Nine with you. Oh, thank you for coming. Um, and if you want to do another chapter, just let Nim know, and she'll sign you up for another one. I appreciate you for for coming on. You did an excellent job, you guys. Oh, thank you. you're welcome you guys we are winding down we have two more chapters left in a game of thrones and that is catlin nine and danny 10 so we're almost done a game of thrones and i will see you guys next week have a good day bye